0: We are back. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a new episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Cohen. We missed last week. I was uh, in Europe, actually, so I was in London during the UCF game. Fear not, I was able to watch it on my phone, or at least the fourth quarter. Uh, That's when I got back to my hotel. And so I saw uh, everything that happened in the fourth quarter. I saw the comeback. I saw the pit special. And I saw Pitt take down uh, 15th ranked UCF, and then just got back uh, from from Iceland just before the Pitt Delaware game, so I was able to watch all of that. And we are we've got a lot to talk about. So we'll start with UCF, uh, ranked 15th in the nation. Very briefly, I'll touch on it because I'm sure any any Pitt fans you've heard about it last week. Pitt won 35-34 miraculous effort especially from Kenny Pickett who stepped up huge finished with over 200 yards a touchdown Uh, he had a touchdown reception in the pit special it was a monumental win in the kind of game that the Panthers almost never win it's the kind of game that they'll come close not quite and then they'll fall short and so it really says a lot that uh, that Pat Narduzzi was able to earn this this win and the team was able to earn this win especially because other pit coaches haven't and Narduzzi has proven, proven himself to be able to get those wins on multiple occasions. Obviously, they beat Clemson, number two, and they beat Miami, number two. And then here uh, they were, beating 15th-ranked UCF, who hadn't lost a regular season game in literally years. And so even though there was all the frustration coming off the loss at Penn State and the opportunity for a big win there, and they didn't get it, well, in this case, they were able to get their big win, maybe not quite as sweet as a Penn State win would have been, but they show that they are able to go up against uh, against the, the higher-ranked teams and come out with a W. So that was a, a huge victory for Pitt, and I know as part of SB Nation fan pulse for everyone who's doing that, every week they ask fans, are you confident in the direction? And Pitt fans were extremely confident after that uh, UCF win, and why shouldn't they have been? Right, Pat Narduzzi just got another huge victory. Pitt looked really good. They nearly beat Penn State. Had they done that, they probably would have been ranked. Pitt seemed to be in a good spot. Then Delaware comes to town, and that game on Saturday was truly atrocious. It was, for lack of a better word, it was embarrassing. If you're Pitt or you're a Pitt fan or whatever, that was embarrassing. You're playing an FCS team. And nothing against Delaware, because as far as FCS teams go, they are very good. They play, uh, you know, very good football for their level. And as an athletic department, they're excellent. In fact, I I do some work for the University of Delaware uh, athletic department. And, uh, you know, I, I love the Blue Hens. But Pitt, in football, Pitt should beat Delaware. Some other sports might be a little bit closer. In football. Pitt has to be Delaware. There's not—100 times out of 100, Pitt should not lose to the Blue Hens. And Pitt very nearly lost to the Blue Hens. So it was an embarrassment. And it took Pitt—they got the win 17-14, but it took Pitt everything they had, or at least everything they had on the field, everything they had personnel-wise, because the big story, at least before the game, was that there were all these players that the Panthers were sitting uh, because of injury, but there was no transparency. There wasn't any lead up to the fact that these players might be injured. They might not be able to play. So it wasn't until shortly before kickoff that we all learned that Pitt's two best running backs uh, weren't going to play, that the quarterback wasn't going to play, that some of the other top contributors were not going to play because of these injuries. And by all accounts, they're not major injuries. It, this is a situation where, if this were a major game, if this were an ACC game, they would have been able to go. But pretty clearly, it's because they thought, the coaching staff thought, the Pitt could beat Delaware easily, and so give these guys a week of rest. No need to to risk reaggravating these injuries against the Blue Hens. Well, I guess on paper that makes sense, but you're not. Alabama, you're not Clemson, you haven't earned the the right, the ability to be able to stomp all over your opponents if they're FCS or whatever they are. Pitt's just not at that level, and besides, even if they were, until Pitt breaks this spell of having these miraculous victories, the Pitt super weapon, and then crashing back down to earth and uh, losing horrendously against a team like Youngstown State or Ohio or whatever, you can never guarantee a win, and you can never guarantee a loss with Pitt. I mean, that's just how it is. Pitt will beat the best team in the nation, as they did with Clemson, as Miami was looking, and then they'll lose to an FCS team, or they'll lose to a MAC team, or something like that. This sort of thing happens all the time. So, for any program at Pitt's level, I don't think you can afford to sit these players. Now, maybe you can go a little bit lighter and have more rotation, but I don't think you can afford to have them as inactive. And that's just for any team at Pitt's level. Certainly not for the Panthers, where, again, if if anyone has followed this team, they know that Pitt always does the unexpected. And so in some sort of morbid humor... It wasn't totally out of the, the realm of possibility that Pitt would beat UCF and lose to Delaware. I think a lot of us might have been joking when we suggested that or brought it up. But because it's Pitt, that was not impossible. And so I, I think you can't, that they, they shouldn't have, the coaching staff should not have been so confident in their ability to beat Delaware. Again, an FCS team, but a good FCS team and the kind of team that, that Pitt would play down to, essentially. And that's what they did it uh it took uh a score in the fourth quarter to put Pitt back on top, but there was a very real chance that uh the Panthers were going to lose that game or even that it would go into overtime and again, the word is embarrassing. It is embarrassing with where they how much it took to to beat Delaware and that really it should not happen. It's pretty inexcusable and yet. And yet, you have to be wary of taking too much away from this. Because they were without players. And this was sort of an odd letdown game. So essentially, I'm going to try to go through and figure out what can we take away from this. And then what is sort of a one-off. Maybe something to keep an eye on, see if it becomes a pattern, but shouldn't be a major concern. Well, one thing that I think became very clear in this game is that Pitt does not have a true quarterback controversy. Kenny Pickett is the guy, and he's going to have to be the guy, because Nick Patty looked okay, and that's not bad. For for a, a first-year player, or for a redshirt freshman, and this being his first start, he, he was decent. He had some good throws. He could fling it downfield, but if Pitt's going to really accomplish something, something major, it's gonna have to be with Kenny Pickett. Nick Paddy, for a couple plays, looked and people were joking on Twitter, oh, quarterback controversy. There's nothing. It's Nick Patty seems like a solid backup quarterback only if Kenny Pickett's injured. But it it became clear it's gonna have to. Pitt is gonna live or die by Kenny Pickett. Because Paddy is it seems like about the level as, as the Nucci as Ben Denucci was before he transferred to James Madison. So that's one thing we learned, and I think we could take away. Another thing we could take away is that there's not as much depth in the running backs as we may have thought entering this season. I'll admit, I, I thought Todd Sibley was going to be great. Now, I still think he's got a lot of potential, but it seems like he's really got to get into rhythm. He finished the day as the best uh running back, 22 carries, 106 yards. If he gets in a rhythm, he can still contribute. Then there's Valik Carter, who then of course the the other two uh running backs, Pitts two best running backs were not available. And so I think what what we see now is that the depth is not there. At running back, it's not there like perhaps people thought it was going to be or should be, because without the the two Davises, uh, uh, Vincent Davis and uh, AJ Davis, you don't really have much in the running game, and that's where Pitt has to establish the offense. It has to come through the run. It's not going to come through Kenny Pickett. It sort of did against UCF, and they sort of forced it against Penn State, though they didn't come up with the win. But if Pitt's really going to be successful, they're going to have a strong, powerful run game like they did last year and then an improved passing game much better than last year. And there's not much depth in the in the running back. So we saw that one other thing that I think we can take away is that the defense is legit. Now, again, I know it's Delaware. It's not a major team, but on all accounts, I mean, defense is defense and football is football. And certainly in situations, you can take things away from that. And when there were situations where Pitt's defense had to get a stop, they had to get their team, the offense, in good field position. They could not allow Delaware to score because that would that would put the nail in the coffin. They stepped up. Throughout the fourth quarter, they knew exactly what they had to do. They had to give the offense a chance to go out and take the lead and win the game. And they had to limit the Blue Hands, and that's exactly what they did. So again, even though it's not against the top opponent, the defense knew what they needed to do. In the fourth quarter, they had to stop Delaware from scoring, and that's exactly what they did. And so, major credit to the defense. This looks like a unit that is that is what we all thought Narduzzi should and would have at this point in his career, and that's a good thing for Pit fans. By the way, all this without arguably their two best players on that unit. And so Pitt's defense is in a really good spot. I think you can take away those things. One other thing that I think you take away is, or I guess you could bring this back, is the questions about the coaching staff. Because even without those players, that coaching staff seemed like they were playing just not to lose. In fact, sometimes it seemed like they were playing to lose. They were doing such boneheaded play calls and strategies and it seemed like they were actively trying to lose but certainly they never really seemed like they were going for the win they never seemed like they felt confident about it and you're not going to win ball games like that now maybe the the strategy changes and against UCF they play one way and Delaware another but that is an indictment. You you can't have that. You've got to play every game at least relatively the same. Some games you might get up for a little bit more if it's against a ranked team, if it's against a rival, but you can't have such a massive drop off from those games to a game against a team like Delaware because you're going to find yourself trapped with your back against the wall and the national media looking at you as an embarrassment. So because of that, there are questions about the coaching staff. And with Narduzzi, it's it's just been this constant up and down. I mean, you come off the, the Penn State game and the horrible decision to kick on fourth and goal from the one, and you're thinking, okay, he's not the guy, or there's a very real chance that he's gone at the end of the season. And then he comes back the next week and beats UCF, and that's something that he's done multiple times, is beating ranked opponents, getting national attention for taking down uh, teams that might have a, na- a national title hopes. Clemson and Penn State and then Miami and now UCF so he's shown he can do that but he's also shown that he can be stubborn and make some huge mistakes and so then just when he's riding high off the UCF win then he comes back down to earth with his Delaware performance and so that is a major concern that this happened at this point and this is something that again pits not too uh it, it is unfortunately uh pretty familiar that this happens a lot, but it hasn't happened so much to Narduzzi. And so that's certainly uh something to be concerned about. And so he's still not quite on solid footing. Uh but I will caution everyone, this was just one game. And I know that's that's tough. I know it's a podcast and you're supposed to have the hottest takes, but this was just one game. They were missing players. They came they just came off a huge win. Some things happen, and they came out very flat. I don't think it's unforgivable. Now, I think multiple things can be true at the same time. Was Saturday's performance an absolute embarrassment? Yes. Should they burn the tapes and never look back? Yes. But was it unforgivable? No. Not unless this becomes a pattern. If this becomes a pattern, if for the rest of the season they come out and they play like they did against Delaware, Or if every time moving forward next year and the year after, if they play down to their poorer opponents, then you've got a real problem. And then you've got to start coming up with, uh, you know, putting the pieces together. But at this point, I still think it's one game and you can't take too much away from it. You, You had an awful game, but you got the win. A loss, I think, maybe would be unforgivable. But you got the win. You came out with it. And now I think you just burn the tapes and move on. As long as it doesn't become a pattern, as long as this isn't what Pitt always does, you could just call it a one-off and you can move on. And I think that's the strategy. Again, if this this does not continue if they play better than they did on Saturday and they're going to have to because now the rest of the season is ACC play and we know that uh, Pitt is desperate for back-to-back ACC Coastal titles that would be a huge milestone for this program we're going to talk about that in just a second the Duke game coming up this weekend plus wrapping up the non-conference schedule in just a moment but first a word from our new sponsors I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg Okay, so before we uh, go on to next week, let's talk about the non-conference schedule and just wrap things up. How'd they do? Well, they played three games. They got Ohio. They beat the Bobcats twenty to ten. form performance was okay. You got out of there, whatever. Then you go on the road to Penn State uh, at State College, thirteenth ranked Nittany Lions, and you have a good chance to beat them. At least send them into overtime. You come up short because of a very very dumb uh, coaching decision. And then you come back home. You beat, or excuse me, four uh, non-conference games. I said three. Uh, you come back home, and uh, you've got UCF, a ranked team, haven't lost a regular season game in years, and you get a huge performance, a clutch play at the end, a creative play. You stun uh, th- this team, and you've got the whole country paying attention to you. and It's the pit special, and it's it's a great story. And then you come out, and you are absolutely flat against Delaware, but you get the win. So at the end of the day, you're 3-1. and one. You could have been 4-0. Because that Penn State game very well could have been a win. But you also could have been 1-3. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they very well could have lost to UCF if the pit Special doesn't work out. Or a couple things don't work out. And they very well could have lost to Delaware. So it's tough to take too much away. Because I mean, that's football. It's one play goes one way. Another play goes the other. And that's just how it is. So they could be 4-0. and They could be 1-3. Uh, ultimately... You you got what you needed out of the non-conference. You got three wins. I think that's more than any of us expected. I think everyone was predicting two wins against Ohio and Delaware. No one really thought Pitt was going to beat either of the ranked teams. They got a win over UCF, so that's more than any of us expected. And so you walk out of the non-conference schedule happy. However, moving forward... I think Pitt, when it comes to scheduling, has to schedule easier opponents. And fortunately, I think, I mean, that seems to be what they're going to do, uh, at least in the upcoming future. I know next year looks like it's going to be an easier year. You take a look at the non-conference schedule. They've got Miami of Ohio at home. They've got Marshall on the road, Richmond at home, and then Notre Dame at home. And that's probably about what you want. I mean, I think an ideal non-conference schedule for Pitt, you talk about the four games, and I think one of them, an FCS team at home, so a team like Delaware or Villanova or something like that, uh, then I think sort of a, uh, a a local team, maybe a MAC team, a team from the state of Ohio or Michigan, uh, something like that, that... Should be a relatively easy win. This year was Ohio. Next year, Miami of Ohio. Should be a relatively easy win, uh, but not quite an FCS team. Then I think you go so for more of a mid-level uh, team. I think that could be something like Temple. I think it could be uh, maybe another Power 5 team that you're pretty sure is not going to be that good. Maybe Rutgers. <laughs> uh, I think that's a safe bet that you're not going to have too much trouble. So a team that maybe looks good on paper, it seems like a legit matchup, but you can also put yourself with a good chance of winning that game, and then a big rivalry game. And sometimes it can change a little bit. So if Penn State wants to get back on the schedule, okay, you have that. For now, it looks like they have no desire to, so whatever. Then you've got – so you can put West Virginia in that slot every year, as Pitt's going to do, because the Mountaineers want to play Pitt, and Pitt seems to be back into the backyard brawl and so West Virginia Pitt that can be played every single year and then the years that Notre Dame is is uh is on the schedule because that's just a rotation as part of the ACC agreement for those you can kick that that mid-level team off the thing so instead of uh, Temple or Rutgers or whatever so that year it's a little bit harder and you've got two teams that are tougher you've got the rivalry game and you've got Notre Dame and that should be the absolute max, and that should not happen every year. But on the years that Notre Dame comes up, you can do that. I don't think you need to put yourself in a position where you don't play a rivalry game, or or I should say one of the biggest rivalry games, either West Virginia or Penn State, because Notre Dame's on the schedule. And yes, I know the Pitt-Notre Dame game, that's a rivalry, but not nearly as much as Penn State or as West Virginia. So I think you've got to have one of those on the schedule every year, and uh, both would be fun, but obviously Penn State doesn't want to play Pitt, and uh, certainly that would be uh, a very difficult task. So I think you have one of them on the schedule every year. You have Notre Dame when they come up, or a mid-level team like Rutgers or Temple or something like that, and then you've got maybe a MAC team, maybe a team they played New Mexico a couple years ago, maybe a team from the Mountain West. And then you've got an FCS team. To me, that's a perfect non conference schedule because you've got three wins that you should be confident about, and then you've got a chance certainly for the fourth, where your fourth game is maybe about a 50 50, and it all depends where West Virginia or Penn State or whoever is uh, wh- whoever's on the schedule, how good they are that year, but you've got a chance. And the other three games, you're certainly favored to win. Now, the Notre Dame years, things can change a little bit, but to me, that's where i lean towards i think it should be an easy conference schedule because at the end of the day no one's going to care if you're two and two no one's going to look at that and say well yeah but they played some really tough opponents they're just going to see two and two most people don't pay that much attention and you have to just be able to take advantage of that you're not playing for strength of schedule because you're not going for the college football playoff all you want to do is get wins you want to get recruits you want to get national attention And you want to prepare yourself to to perhaps win the ACC. But we saw last year, Pitt won the ACC Coastal. And they did not get much attention or respect because they had such a brutal non-conference schedule. And I think you just have to avoid that. You have to schedule easier teams, get easier victories. And then even if you drop a couple games in the ACC schedule... People still look at your year and say, oh, wow, nine wins, ten wins. They had a really good season. That's what Syracuse did last year. And I don't think that they were particularly good, but they scheduled pretty easy, and then they played one close game in the conference against Clemson, and that's just how it worked out. So I used to be against it. I used to think, look, if I'm going to make the trip out to Pittsburgh, I want to see a great game. I don't want to just go and see them uh, play a a MAC team. I've changed my mind. Yes, the rivalry games are fun. And yes, I think you should have one every year. But I don't think you have to... Certainly, you don't schedule a team like UCF or like Oklahoma State, uh, as they did a few years ago, just because. Just because it's a big game. I, I don't see any reason to schedule a good team that has nothing to do with you, that doesn't have any recruiting advantage. I mean, Maybe you could say UCF because it's Florida. But for the most part, if there's no connection there with Pitt, and there, there's no rivalry, and they're a tough team, then what is the point? I mean, I think the same sort of thing about Cincinnati, Pitt scheduling Cincinnati. I don't know why. I, yeah, there's some connection, but that's a difficult team. Play an easier team from the same conference if you want to play at that level. Uh, I, I just don't see the point in Pitt scheduling an Oklahoma State or UCF or Tennessee. If you're going to play a good team, have it be because it's a rivalry and you absolutely have to win that game. And you have to play that game. And for the other games, just don't play teams that are that good. Avoid it. Avoid it and get the easy wins. It makes a lot more sense. People don't pay attention. They will look at your win-loss record. That is it. And if you go 3-1 and or 4-0 in the in the non-conference, and then you have a good conference schedule, people are going to look at you like you are a great team. and. That's what Pitt needs. They need that perception. And so, because of that, I think Pitt has to cut it out after this this two years UCF series. They've got to cut it out with playing these uh, these very difficult non conference schedules, and uh, just move toward move forward towards uh, an easy setup. You've got to, they they have to hope. I know I, I'm looking at 2021. And the toughest game is at Tennessee. You have to hope that at that point, Tennessee is still struggling as they are this year. Because again, I just don't see any reason to schedule Tennessee. There's no natural connection. There's no recruiting advantage. Who cares? If You're going to schedule a really good team. Have it be Penn State or West Virginia or Notre Dame. There's no reason to schedule a home-and-home with Tennessee or Oklahoma State or UCF. There is no reason. Play tough rivalry games. Every other game should be easy. And there certainly should not be a, a slew of multiple very tough games. You shouldn't put yourself in the position where you've got a rivalry game plus another really good te- team that you're playing. It's just too much. Go for the easy wins, and hopefully looking at the schedule down the line, which is like a decade away, uh, that is what they go for. And again, plenty of time, but certainly for the next round of air, you're not going to have Tennessee, and you're not going to have Cincinnati on the docket. I think you schedule – you try for Penn State. They're not, not going to agree to it because they're scared of Pitt. So you schedule West Virginia, Notre Dame when they're on the uh, on the cycle, and outside of that, go easy. Just go easy. That's it. Play relatively local teams. Play teams that maybe there's some crossover with the alumni, with the fans. That's it. Just go for the easier wins. It will absolutely pay off uh, in the end. So uh, before we wrap up, we got to talk about Duke. The game this weekend, it's at Duke. It's under the lights, 8 o'clock on Saturday. This game could very well be the make-or-break game for Pitt's season. Now, they could win this game and still not win the Coastal. That is obviously very possible. Virginia has looked good so far. But I think if Pitt loses this game, they knock themselves completely out of contention for winning the Coastal because I can't imagine... They're going to rattle off uh, and just win out for the rest of the season. And outside of that, I don't think you, you win the Coastal with three more, uh, three losses or more. So I think if you lose this game, you're out because all of a sudden Duke is undefeated, Virginia is still undefeated, and you're just out of the picture already before the season starts. I and Again, if you win, it's not a guarantee, but you're at least in the conversation. You can at least press for that. It's Virginia and North Carolina and Pitt and Duke, and those are the teams that are going to go after it. But you have to win this game. I don't think it's enough to play close. It's not like the Penn State game where outside of the one very dumb decision, you walk away and say, okay, they played a really good game. They look good. That's fine. You need to win this game. Because you lost to Virginia, you cannot start the conference 0-2, not as the reigning ACC Coastal champions. You need to come out, you need to win, and we'll see. It's going to be uh, a tougher atmosphere than you might think for Duke football. When the team is good, they get into it down there in Durham, and uh, certainly it looks like this team is pretty good. Uh, yeah, they got blown out by Alabama week one, but since then they've looked very good at, including, uh, at Virginia tech in Blacksburg, they dominated the Hokies and now for them, this is sort of a, a perhaps make or break game, certainly a make game. I mean, if Duke wins this game, they are firmly in the hunt for the coastal title. And so they want this badly and Pitt needs this badly because they can't afford to drop an 0 and 2. That's a hole that they can't get out of. That's where Virginia tech is right now. And you cannot be there. So because of that, I think this is a game Pitt has to get up for. We cannot see a single thing that we saw from that Delaware game. Nothing, not one little thing that we saw in that Delaware game should show up in this game against Duke. They need to come out and play like they did against UCF, against Penn State. They need to come out strong. The defense needs to keep playing as uh, phenomenally well as they have. The offense has to pick it up. Pickett has to be back. Uh, Vincent Davis and A.J. Davis have to get it done on the ground. Pitt has to win this game because I do think this is make or break. Yeah, they've got some other close games that can go both ways, but after after Duke, I just don't see any game that I think more as the fulcrum of this season. Syracuse, yeah, but they're in the other division, so it doesn't directly affect as much. Miami doesn't look like they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Maybe they will. Who knows? Uh, that'll be a big game, but... We don't know. Georgia Tech should be an easy win. North Carolina might be a big game. Virginia Tech, I don't think so. And Boston College, not in the same division. This game, this game against Duke is the big one. Because it's looking like Virginia and Duke, maybe North Carolina, who knows about Miami. But Virginia positioning themselves for the Coastal. And if Pitt wants to put themselves in that conversation, you have to beat the Blue Devils. So a huge game, 8 o'clock this Saturday night at Durham, and Pitt has to go out and win. They just have to. They have to get their first ACC win of the season. So before we go, Panther of the Week, not many options coming uh, from uh, Pitt football. I will give it to Kirk Christodoulou, the punter out of Australia. He was, uh, again, really great in this game against Delaware, had some clutch punts, and for someone who last year I thought this guy just does not have it, he's not a punter, and even the beginning of this year, I was concerned after the Virginia game. He has stepped it up. And when the other special teams player, Alex Kessman, has not looked good, Chris Didulu has. And he seemed to be the MVP of that Delaware game, which is kind of sad for the team's part that your punter was your best player. But I legitimately think that he was. Also Panther of the Week, have to go pit volleyball. As long as they keep looking great, you got to keep giving it to them. They, they did beat Penn State at State College last week, then they lost at home, so they split the series. But to get one win out of two and on the road against Penn State, one of the best teams in the country, that's huge. So Pitt Volleyball Panther of the Week as well as Kirk Christodoulou. So that'll do it for our episode of Unscripted. Uh, again, thank you so much for listening. We have uh, switched over to the SB Nation channel uh, or network, I should say, of podcasts. Not much will change, but you can find us Everywhere you listen to podcasts, just search for Cardiac Hill. Subscribe to this podcast, please. would absolutely appreciate it. It helps, and you can just get it straight to your phone whenever new episodes come out. You can continue listening on CardiacHill.com. Check out all the great stuff on the website. You can follow me on Twitter at Corey E. Cohen, C-O-R-E-Y-E, C-O-H-E-N. And, of course, you can tweet me uh, with any thoughts or questions about the new podcast setup. But again, thank you so much for listening, for joining us on this ride. It's uh, been an exciting time and a huge, huge game for the Panthers this weekend. So a lot to talk about coming up next Monday. But for now, I'm Corey Cohen, signing off from Unscripted, the Cardiac.